I've been expecting you, darling. It's only right I start your morning off with the latest music, gossip, relationship 101, and quote of the day. I double dare you to sit back, relax, and join in on today's fun on The Breakdown. I'm your host, Brittany Marlette, and I've been expecting you, darling. Hey, y'all. It's Oya Myra, and this is Wellness Wednesday on The Breakdown Podcast with Brittany Marlette. Um, Today's topic is... Talking white is a theme. Basically, all themes of tokenism as a Black American in society. I decided to um, lead this episode, what is community engagement, with snippets of a passage from the Critical Race Theory um, by Kimberly Kernshaw and uh, Arthur, who wrote. Um, her opinions about the theorization of whiteness as property and how it shows up in this uh, this society, not only in America, but on a global level, but how it was created in America. So once again, this is by Sherelle Harris. This is Whiteness is Property, and it comes from the Critical Race Theory, um, created by Kimberly Crenshaw. Accepting the risk of self-annihilation was the only way to survive. Self-denial had been a logical choice. Had she made her complicit in own oppressions at times, fed the fire in her eyes when she confronted some daily outrage inflicted on black people. Whiteness as property. It was the interaction between conceptions of race and property which play a critical role in establishing and maintaining racial and economic subordination the hyper exploitation of black love was accomplished to uh, treating black people themselves as object of property as objects of property excuse me capture africans sold in the americas were distinguished from the population of indentured or bonded servants of unfree white labor i wanted to read that snippet of whiteness as property because we have it in our community of whatever you want to identify yourself as not whatever whom not whatever as it is being dismissive i'm trying to be more cognitive in how i speak uh to others who uh, may look like me because it is a reflection of how i speak to myself and i always speak to myself with gentleness at this point in my life um that we're in denial about this idea, those of us who have been educated in European Eurocentric education, um, due to the trauma that we have been inflicted upon us for our ability to code switch, that the ability to talk white is not of existence. When in actuality, it is. It is. Because if you can acknowledge code switching, then you know that talking white is a real thing. And we must um, face the fact that many of us do speak in a dialect, in a vernacular that can be presented as talking white because this is how we have been able to survive. This is our formal way of assimilating to a, a culture that has dominated us through brutality and terrorism. 
white culture. And understanding that has been a double-edged sword, our ability to code switch, because those of us who couldn't code switch, who are were, in my mind, not ignorant, but very strong in African spirit, and were therefore rejected by white culture and the society has dominated us through brutality and, terror and terrorist uh, acts. Not having the power to fight that system and we've been uh, dis disenfranchising, uh, dis displaced from each other because of the terrorism took their frustration out on those who were able to maneuver and assimilate to the white culture in order to survive and secure um, more profitable opportunities. Because I don't even say they better opportunities now, right? I say that they have been more financial in game and giving us more access. But as someone who has dabbled in uh, low income and in middle class all of her life, um, eh, fuck it. I, I guess I can go in and uh, no, I'll stay up upper middle class because I've never been materially wealthy in the way that American society would say that, but I have, I've never been without, right? Um, I understand the, how privileged I am as a, as a, as a, uh, a black person in, in this country with my ability to coast, which with my ability to maneuver, um, and assimilate very well. It's just now I reject that shit. <laughs> And I don't want to. I don't want to lie about the things that we have. We have to still do. We don't have to do shit. We're choosing to. But the things that we're still choosing to do collectively as Black Americans in a society, because we're on survival mode, it is not just those who are in predominantly Black neighborhoods who are the target by the system, who are on survival mode. Those of us who have accumulated uh, various degrees. <laughs> who have, who go into these, um, these organizations who on the face aesthetically look diverse, which American society is, that is the norm, not an exception, um, have to operate still under the social contract that whiteness is the hierarchy in property. And you better show up with the mentality that foster and encourages white culture. And it's just not a Black American thing. This is a Latino American thing. This is an Asian American thing. This is anybody that is not of white culture. And those, even those who are of white culture, they know that they're supposed to uphold, going back to that passage, distinguished from the indentured or bonded servant unfree white labor, that they are held hostage to that culture as well. They That they are not allowed to express themselves in the way that they really want to express themselves. That's why when you go outside of this country and people look at what American culture is, you see a whole flip side. So whereas white culture is held as the norm and puts everybody on survival mode, the cool factor 
the social capital is in black culture, which is mostly presented in our entertainment and the clothes that we wear and the hairstyles that we wear. That's our uh, our right to self-expression. So I wanted to, you know, let us have some real conversation that talking white is a real thing. And it will help those of us who, who have survived and are surviving in corporate America, who work at the the school in the school systems, who are supposed to be so restorative and so reformative at this moment, but are really they're not educators, they're not teachers, they're uh, policy officers, they're com- they're compliant compliancy officers, they comply. to the uh, system of the illusion of white supremacy. Because if you can't go into spaces and exercise your union rights, if you can't exercise your, um, the perks of your job, because socially it's not acceptable for someone like you to do it, and you know you will get retaliation, You're still in, you are still under a system of oppression. You just get a paycheck that affords you a certain amount of material comfort. So it's just not the athletes and the celebrities that are wealthy slaves. We're feeding into that system is too. And the first part to decolonize your mind, the first part to grab your freedom is to acknowledge the truth of what's happening in society. Acknowledge why, you know, when some of us who talked in a particular way talked white, right? Because you were. The children or the adults, when you're youth who picked on you, not giving them um, the excuse, right? That it was okay for them to do that. Not validating that. It's not true. That's I mean, that's it's the truth that happens to us, but it's not right what they did. And acknowledging that just because you were traumatized for something doesn't mean that you weren't acting in this mannerism. And don't and don't deny that you might have traumatized someone because of your ability or skill to code switch. Calling those who appear more Afrocentric ghetto. In insulting their intelligence because you were framed in a certain way and socialized in a certain way, we also got to take responsibility of the harm that we cause. I said someone who reflects now at the age of 32 that I might have caused a lot of harm when I appeared in my intelligence that was uh, with the stamp of approval of white culture. It's not, it's not anybody's fault. This is, this is what my parents taught me in order to get to this point. And I don't reject it. I just accept it. And then how do I move forth as a mature adult to, one, make sure that I'm interacting with my peers and my community members in a, in a matter of respect, no matter whichever vernacular that I'm going to use. Because I'm not going to stop code switching. 
And the reason I'm not going to stop code switching is because when I get in these spaces of the white people, sometimes I do want to fucking trick them. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do want to trick them. But I've been trying to snap it back on. It's not working. So I think my spirit is like, we're done with that. But in my mind, it's calculating and strategic as I am. Sometimes I do want to trick them just for a second to get them comfortable and hit them and strike them really, really hard. Because the games that are being played with us in front of our face and the insults to our intelligence, we're so in, at odds with each other on figuring out who's the good Negro, right? Who is the good, um, the good Black person? What does that look like? We're not understanding that even just the thought of that comes from the fact that we're still in a very oppressive society that we're still fighting for our existence. And honestly, I'm tired of fighting. I just, I'm just existing. Not that I want, I just, I'm just existing. And by through my existence and my ability to breathe, you know, declaring that I am a free person, I can talk truly about the experience in my life and what I see what's going on in my community. And we have to accept that we have picked up certain mechanisms in order to survive. Because we have been taught that whiteness is the hierarchy of property in America and blackness is the low, the lowest of the caste system. And even us who have the accolades, who have the statuses and have the positions, you know, we have to be cognitively aware of how we're operating to harm our community based off our, our, uh, our mind state of survival. When you have everything that you need comfortably, materially, you know, breathe, breathe, stop and think about, yes, you're in this position of status. So how do you show up authentically? And that might look, that's going to look, it's not my, it's going to look different for everybody. But once you accept that some of us are speaking in a certain vernacular and dialect that is talking white to make those who are not black comfortable because we're not just doing it for white culture. We're doing it for Latino culture. We're doing it for Asian culture because they also too have submitted to this illusion of white supremacy because of brutality and terrorism on their people. And they also have been socialized in this hierarchy of white and black. And then they fall somewhere in the middle. So they're fighting for their existence in this country. And it leads us to this thing. It, once you once you acknowledge your assimilation, right? Then you understand when you're being used as a token. Oh, we're gonna get into it now. See, tokenism is that when they what the illusion of white supremacy do and people of different racial groups who have the face aesthetically of melanated beings, but the mind of white culture, because now they have secured a place of comfort, is when they select other people like themselves who assimilate easily to the illusion of white supremacy ideologies, who assimilate easily into this idea of what dominance and power looks like. That's what a token is. How do I know? Because I was one. Unconsciously, I was getting picked because I was the safe choice.
But once I display an intelligence and a, a bed of knowledge that was empowering to my self-esteem or empowering to those who look like me and spoke and exercised the rights and the privileges that came along with this position and did not just follow whatever someone told me who was not of melanated complexion, I became problematic and I am problematic. And I said it with a smile on my face. I wish y'all could see it. I started my first week of uh, substitute teaching this this week at a restorative justice school. And because I am a subject matter expert, in my opinion now, <laughs> and not my opinion, it's facts, resume check, boom. Um, I was infuriated my first day. Because I was met with so much hatred in the eyes of those who are supposed to be allies to Black Americans and who are literally shaping the mind of African children. And in their first encounter of an Afrocentric woman, they display so much passive aggressiveness of disdain. At me simply saying, good morning, how you doing, love, to African children. And watching those African children, eyes, look me up and down, evaluate me, and take take me in that, that my presence of love was there for them. And saw them straighten up their shoulders and their backs. And then they, and watch these children leave with a smile on their face. Their defense mechanism went up. And I saw what I saw, and I saw the white savior complex come out of the not only the white males that were present, but the Latino woman that was present, the Latino man that was present, the white woman that was present. Their animosity towards me, that the black children looked at me in love and hope and not them. This is what's happening in these spaces of so-called restorative justice. So, you know, like Sister Soldier said to Cornell West, he said, she said, where are these good white people? You know, he said, I know a few. And she said, a few. And he's like, well, that's maybe that's all we can get. And like she said, I'm going to say it to all of you who are listening, no matter color, creed, or race, I don't work with all I can get. The bare minimum of acknowledgement and putting in the practical work to dismantle this shit on just the individual level within self is hurting us all. Some of us do talk white. It's because we have to assimilate 
Because in our DNA, and constantly still presently in this moment, via police brutality, white culture has brutalized and terrorized us. And now's your simulation so you can see when you have been chosen as a token. Now, it doesn't mean you have to walk away. Me, personally, I just go in the spaces I need to go to. I move around. I just, I can do that. That's just me. I'm comfortable with that. Everybody's not comfortable with that. Because you have put a lot of work in to get where you're at. So while you're there... Do the work. If you're gonna be a, if they if they decided to make you a token, make them cash in. Push back. You have the ability to independently think. There's no reason for us to be ashamed of any way that we show up. That's all. That's all. The first level to rid ourselves of shame so that we can shun ourselves and stand ten toes down on who we are as a people is to acknowledge the ways in which we had to survive and are surviving and then disrupt, dismantle, and then rebuild. That's all I have today for Wellness Wednesdays. This is going to require a lot of emotional labor, a lot of mental labor. Because we're so embedded in the shame of the mechanisms in which we, the tools we created to survive, that we can't see how African children's minds are being shaped by those who are just trying to feel better about themselves. Which is ain't nothing but the American story. It's our story now. Take over. This has been Oya Myra. It's Wellness Wednesday. We're on the breakdown with Brittany Marlette. Y'all have a great day. Ashe. I knew it. I knew it. You love this episode. And that's quite all right. Go ahead. Send a message. If you have any comments on the episode, hey, we can take it. We can take it. Send a message, leave a comment, and we'll be sure to get back to you. Can't wait to hear you on the next episode. You have just listened to The Breakdown with Brittany Marlette, also available on Anchor and Spotify. We'll be expecting you, darling, on our next episode.